Welcome tonight to our evening service. We're happy that you're here with us. We're going to start with number 111, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Let's stand as we worship the Lord tonight. Amen. You may be seated. You're singing well tonight. Our numbers down a little bit because of the conditions outside, but nonetheless, we can still rejoice in the Lord, and we're always assured with the fact and the promise of the Lord, if two or three are gathered in Christ's name, he has promised to be one in our number, and so we have gathered to glorify, to worship the Lord tonight, and we do so with open hearts this evening. Let's bow, please, in prayer. We'll commit our service unto the Lord now. Father, as we come this evening into your holy presence, how thankful we are we can sing a hymn, a Christmas song, with such joy, because, Lord, it reminds us of the birth of the Son of Man. We rejoice, Lord, tonight that we can sing 
because we have been redeemed, not with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood, the Lamb without blemish and without spot. Father, tonight we come to worship the King of nations, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, as we depend and need the Spirit of God to enable us to worship aright, we pray that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight in our worship, in our praying, in our meditation, as we read the Scripture and as the Word of God is open to us. Dear God, meet with us tonight. Take away every distracting thought. Take away the problems that may be breathing down our backs, the situations of tomorrow, this incoming week, considering the issues in our nation, in this world. And Lord, in the midst of all that, still we pray that we might have the peace of God which passes all understanding. We do remember tonight the needs of those in our congregation. We pray for all who have physical setbacks and concerns. Bless them where they are. Lift up their hearts, the hands that hang down, and the feeble knees. Those going through some specific spiritual trial, Lord, bless them abundantly. May all of us know what it is to have the joy and the peace of Christ abiding in us and the power of the Holy Spirit being our portion every single day. Lord, we dare not rise to a new morning without being conscious of the power of God on us to face whatever circumstances are on a new day. Lord, we give thanks that we know in our hearts the peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, meet with us now in our evening service tonight. Bless us in every detail of our meeting. And we pray that as the word goes forward, it will rest in our hearts, that we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. We do think tonight, Father, of those who are suffering persecution for the cause of the Savior whether it is near or far. We know there are many who are in jail tonight, many being persecuted for their faith. Strengthen them, bless them, and help them to shine very brightly as lights in a dark world. And Lord, we do not know when the end will be, when our Savior will return. We ask, Lord, that we might be watching and waiting and ready for the Master's return to this world. And in the meantime, may we all be found faithful and active in the service of the Master. Hear our prayers tonight. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Number 334, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and unclean. We'll stand pleased to sing.
that is good singing tonight. And when we have the theme of such songs and the rejoicing of the Lord in our heart, we have a right to shout and to sing. The words of the third stanza, He took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. The ownership of our sin our Lord Jesus took upon himself. And that is an amazing truth and a deep thought that it's very hard for us to enter into all that it means when God made him to be sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Great wonder, great marvelous. No wonder the hymn writer could say, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. I'm going to read tonight, please, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, the first ten verses. Apostle has been soaring into the mountains, into the skies, the great doctrinal teaching in the first and second chapters of this wonderful epistle to the Ephesian church. He is thinking about the deity of Christ. He's thinking about the fact that our Lord Jesus is the king and head of the church. And how that God has set him on high. And he brings that down to a very practical word for us. Because we are the ones for whom Christ has come. We are the ones for whom the Lord went to the cross to bear our sins. And all the while, when we were rebels and sinners against him. And all the while, we had no thought, no care, no concern. Because we were dead in trespasses and our sins. We walked according to the course of this world. We walked in the way of our flesh. We walked a way that was opposite to the way of God. And yet the Lord in mercy has brought us to himself. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Before we were saved, it was impossible for us to do anything good for God or his kingdom. An impossibility. And yet when the Lord opened our heart, opened our eyes, quickened us, made us alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, it was then that we saw our sin, then that we saw there's only one Savior for us in our sin, and the gift of faith was given, and we were able to lay hold by the instrumentality of faith upon the Savior. And we were born again of the Spirit of God. We were saved by sovereign, matchless grace. And it was after that took place that then the Lord enabled us by his power to be able to do some good work for him. Indeed, we learn that we have been ordained unto good works. And good works, they are not the means of our justification, but they are the evidence of our justification. And there is a great difference in that. And we serve a risen Savior. We serve the Lord because of what he has done for us. And we are blessed. And as a congregation, we want to be about the Master's business. We want to be in the service of Christ in our everyday life. Wherever he takes us, wherever he has called us to do, let us do it with all our heart. And we know that the Lord will bless as we lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal, that's the everlasting inheritance and reward that God has prepared for us. Welcome to our service tonight. We're very happy that you're here in person. Maybe you've come back to be with us again visiting. And if you're online tonight, we're very happy that you're with us and we trust that God would encourage your heart and bless you. We're very happy that Reverend Ian Gulliher, his wife Bueller, are with us for the day today, and our brother will be bringing the word tonight, and we enjoyed his ministry this morning, and if you did not hear that message, then I would encourage you to go on to Sermon Audio, and you can download that message and listen to it, and I believe it will be an encouragement to your heart. Let me say again tonight a word of special thanks to the session and board uh, for the presentation of that acknowledgement of the years of service for the administrative position in our school. And I speak also on behalf of Dr. McClellan, also very much appreciative of that, the kindness that was extended and uh, much, much appreciated for those thoughtful words that were spoken this morning. And as we are engaged in the service of the Master, well, as long as he gives us strength 
We will continue to do that and for the honor and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continue in the lectures that I will be doing tomorrow with the students from Geneva Reform Seminary. This is the final week for me anyways, and it's the final class before the Christmas break for them, so they will have some time off before they restart again in January. Do please remember all of our students that are studying in prayer, studying in the seminary at this time. There are five of them. Three of them are currently under care of presbytery, which means that they have made an approach to presbytery, believe that they are called to serve the Lord in our denomination. And so they have met with the presbytery and they have been approved to take that step forward. And the other two men are currently studying in GRS and uh, they feel the leading of the Lord in some aspect of ministry, but may not just be uh, convinced yet or led by the Lord to join in to come officially under us. But nonetheless, we're thankful for the fellowship we've had. The class time has been good and helpful, and it's been a blessing to be with these men. And do remember them all, please, in your prayer. This coming Wednesday night in our prayer meeting, I've invited the two brethren from Mexico, Pablo and Siso, and and then also Ruben Ramirez, And they're going to be sharing testimony on Wednesday night, sort of a missionary meeting on Wednesday, and looking forward to that at 7.30. Also, please don't forget the Christmas card in our foyer. And if you would like to make a contribution to the work of Reverend Lalo Peña in Cordoba, mark your envelope, Mexico, and we'll be sure that it gets directed toward that special Christmas offering. The Jim Fellowship will continue on Friday night from 6 to 9. And uh, let me mention again, as I said this morning, if you would like to be a volunteer for the Pregnancy Care Center, you would let our brother, the clerk of our session, Mr. James Fraser, know. You can either email at office at torontofpc.ca if you're part of our congregation, that is. If you wanted to volunteer, we are or be organizing that here locally, and then we will inform you of the next steps and so on. But if you would like to do that, you could contact us and we'll make sure you can be a part of that. Today is our final time of getting your changes in for the church directory. Let them know that by the end of today, either by email or in person, and we'll be sure to include those changes. Please, let's not forget, we have one more Lord's Day, well, actually two more Lord's Days, before the end of the year, and we want to be sure that our tithes and offerings for the Lord's work are up to date, and so we just leave that with you. Let me encourage you again also when we think about the new year and our week of prayer. It will be the last full week of January, and we want to have, in the will of God, a baptismal service on the Wednesday night. And so if the Lord has been speaking to your heart regarding baptism then now is an opportunity for you, whether you are young or old. If God's been speaking to you about that, well, don't delay. Don't put it off. And uh, come and speak to me, and I'll be sure uh, to meet with you and talk to you about that. Well, those are the ministry announcements we have for you at this time. We're going to sing again 
to the Lord's praise, number 607. 607, He hideth my soul. We'll stand, please, again as we sing.
This morning our brother was speaking about whether I would think he had wimped out if he had called me about coming from Barrie when the weather was not so good. Well, I'm glad he braved it out and came to be with us. And it's a joy. We were blessed by the ministry of God's Word this morning. We're thankful that he and his dear wife came down. We had an enjoyable time of fellowship with them this afternoon uh, for lunch and in the afternoon time. Well, brother, we're very happy that you're here with us to share the Word tonight. And we trust that you will know the blessing of the Lord as you bring the Word to us this night. You're very welcome here. Amen. Welcome. Beulah and I always enjoy the fellowship. Yes, we're, we're green, I think, here. Um, we always enjoy the fellowship to come into a, a vibrant, healthy, happy church and to enter into the worship of the Lord with you. And I know that you've made a special effort to come the second time on this snowy Sunday, and it's always a challenge when it's the first snowy Sunday of the year, and so we're doubly glad that you are here. It's not very often that you get two free Presbyterian ministers in one pulpit at one time. We don't normally have the luxury of uh, preachers uh, multiplied in one pulpit, so I don't know what Dr. Saunders is doing sitting down here and me up here tonight. It reminds me of a man in our church in Cloverdale when we had built our new church and we were carrying in the benches, taking them off a low-bed trailer. They were 16 feet long and rather heavy. And this young man, he was about mid-30s, strong build, standing back, allowing the old men to carry in the benches. And somebody said, come on, Pete, let's help. And he said, my mother taught me to always wear the old stuff out first. So maybe Mrs. Saunders taught that to her son, and I'm here tonight because that's what Mr. Saunders wants to do, wearing out the old before you take on the younger. But for me, it's a joy to be here, and we trust the Lord will bless. Always good for a minister to get a, a time of respite and you don't want to push the envelope too hard, burning the candle at both ends, and ministers need a time of respite. Now, you know what that is like when you are caring for someone on a constant basis, and that's what pastors are doing, caring for the congregation constantly, and every phone call can add to that burden. So, I'm happy to come and to give your minister uh, a meeting or two of respite. And I trust that the Lord will strengthen him and encourage him, especially as he goes back into the teaching mode tomorrow morning and to minister to our students. I'm glad you're going to be meeting a couple of these young men on Wednesday evening, and I'm sure that that will be a thrill to see young men from Mexico uh, training, having a vision for ministering in their own country, and we just rejoice in those developments and trust the Lord will keep His hand upon them in the days to come. Our Bible reading tonight is in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. Mark, chapter 8, 
We're coming to the latter part of the chapter. I would like to thank Mr. and Mrs. Saunders for the fellowship and the hospitality of this afternoon, and we are uh, appreciative of their hospitality. Mark 8 and verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. May the Lord bless his word to your heart tonight. Let's bow in prayer a moment as we come to our message this evening. O God, our Father, we praise Thee for this, the Lord's day Thou hast given us, for the opportunity of fellowship and worship amongst the Lord's people in this congregation. Thank You for each brother and sister in Christ. Thank You for each family and each home. Thank You for each one that is pressing on, seeking to take up the cross at whatever the cost, and to serve the Lord. O Father in heaven, I pray that Thou wilt look down and reward. We believe in instant rewards, the rewards of joy and happiness, the reward of blessedness in our souls. We believe also in eternal rewards, and we know that we are laboring for that glorious home in heaven, and all the grace and all the glory that is ours. Help us to see that tonight, and do open the Scriptures to us. Give help in the pulpit. Give help in the pew. And come, sit with us, and meet with us. Around your word we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about a very bad deal, a deal that is even worse than buying a used car at a roadside sales lot from a strange salesman who doesn't point out to you that the car is all souped up, rust is covered over, the oil leaks are treated so that the unsuspecting buyer doesn't notice. And of course, the salesman, he says, there are so many of these cars still on the road. It's such a car that I would even sell it to my mother. And we may all be prey to such 
a sales pitch. The world has advertised itself as the real deal and the full package for fun, pleasure, and popularity. But the reality is that there is nothing in the world for your soul. The curse is in the fine print, and it will cost you your soul. Multitudes in this world are seeking it so badly, and I know because I was once there myself as a young teenager. I was aiming for as much of the world as I could possibly enjoy. I was aiming to seek ways to make money and to enjoy what this world would offer. And today the world is crowded. The broad road is crowded with those that are seeking the ways of the world. There are very few that want the narrow way. What a wonderful thing if you're a Christian tonight and you can say, I have chosen the narrow way that leads on to life. The worldly route, of course, is the easy way. It's the way to make friends. It may even be the way to make more money and to enjoy more of this world. It pleases the flesh, and it feels so right to healthy, young, adventurous, and those that are seeking the gain of this life. Now, in the moment, it seems to tick all the boxes that will satisfy. And it's like driving off in that used car that unsuspectingly has been sold to you as a good deal. But it's not long until that car breaks down and begins to break your heart. And tonight, the message that I want to give you is to simply expose the world as a bad deal. It will cost you your soul. And I bring you to the text this evening of Mark 8, verse 36. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And the world is a bad deal because it is temporary. It's just for a little while. We're told to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but of the world. And the world passeth away. That's the bad deal. The world seems glittery and attractive but it will pass away. The world has two expiry dates. The day that you're going to die and you leave everything behind because you will leave this world as you entered it naked, with nothing. 
There are no pockets in death shrouds. There are no U-Haul vans following hearses. You are going one way, and you will leave it all behind. The other expiry date is the day that the Lord shall return, the day when He will come and He will enter into His earthly judgment. Now, in this Bible and in the New Testament, everything in preaching and teaching is built on that realization that the world is but temporary. Whether the Apostle Paul is comforting the saints and he is telling them to endure hardness, whether he's calling them to face the fiery trials of persecution, he reminds them it's only for a little while that the light affliction of this world cannot be compared with the eternal glory that is awaiting the child of God. To suffer as a Christian because you do not bow to the world and its trials is worthwhile because this world is going to pass away. The earth as we know it is going to be burned up. The world has its cursed ground, its briars, its weeds, and all of these things will pass away when the Lord returns, when He sets up a, a new kingdom, a new heaven, and a new earth. And the only thing that is worth living for is that which secures for you a home in that eternal glory. And I want to ask you tonight, is that how you're living? Is that what makes you move and step forward in life? Or have you resigned to the flow of the world and all that it's doing to you to drag you down from faithfully, constantly serving the Lord? It is to live as a fool for its instant gratification. It's to put all your eggs in one basket and to see them all crash. It's to place all your hope in one boat that is sinking. That's the man or woman or young person of the world. But if you're a child of God, you've got a good deal, and we will come to that tonight also. Now, it's a bad deal because this world is in rebellion to God. I want you to notice in verse 38 in this passage how the Lord Jesus stated this. Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father. Now, that word adulterous is the opposite to loyalty. It's the opposite to being faithful. And this world has turned its back on God. This world has rebelled. 
It has shaken the hand of defiance in the face of Almighty God. Now, consistently in the Old Testament, in particular, spiritual adultery is the madness of running to idols, to false worship, to those things that are of no profit, that God forbids. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Now, think on that reference to lieth in wickedness. Now, wickedness is not just lawlessness and rejection. Its primary meaning is harm, destruction, and the world lies in it. It's like the sow wallowing in the mire. The world takes delight in its own destruction. And have you not seen that? It's evidence all around you, even in our communities. The addicted, the rebel to authority, and those that are constantly destroying themselves, like the prodigal's way that ruined him. This is a sick world. It's a world that is bringing misery upon itself constantly. And it boggles my mind that in this age of information, whether it's in technology or medicine or in architecture or in any sphere of life, when there is so much knowledge and information that the world is still plunging into misery, to war, self-destruction. And of course, the world is the child of darkness, the enemy of God. And how sad to see another generation in Canada grow up and to make such a bad deal by following the world. And we know that they're headed for misery, and they're headed for ruin. Many young people started in life so promising. They are the pride and joy of parents. They have, in their earlier years, excelled. But at some point, it just seems they go off the radar into ruin and it destroys their walk with God if they ever had one. And I want to warn you tonight that the way of the world is a bad deal. Can you not see it? I want you to listen to the Apostle James in chapter 4-4. Ye adulteresses, adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. The 
tragedy is that many think they can do both, that they can be religious, they can be Christian, they can follow the Lord, and still fool with the world. And that's the devil's lure. That's the trap. That's the sales pitch that the enemy is promoting constantly to your mind and multitudes in this nation. It's a bad deal. The Bible states it so clearly. You can't have the world and the Lord. You can't have the values, the rebellious spirit of an ungodly, wicked, vile world and still walk with God. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. That's the basis of fellowship. That's the way we build fellowship with God. And that word fellowship in 1 John 1, 7 means partnership. You are united. You are in with Christ in fellowship with Him. And our fellowship is with the Father and through His Son. Now, you've got a choice to make tonight. You're standing staring at this bad deal, and there are voices crying to you, follow the world. But you've got to say no. You've got to turn away and take up the cross of the Lord Jesus. That's what our Lord says in this passage. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. That's what you must do. Thank God there are many here tonight that are doing it. And how wonderful to come into the fellowship of a band of people who have a determination and they have a spirit of heart that I want to renounce the world, I want to be delivered from its ways, and I am taking up the cross and I will follow Christ. Now, thirdly, it's a bad deal to follow the world because the world cannot satisfy. To keep it short, to really satisfy, you have to have the whole world. The Lord said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? And that's the only thing that would possibly satisfy the whole world. And your lot in life is no good unless God gives you a spirit of contentment in this world, which the worldly man will never have. And while your heart lusts more and more after the world for more and more of the world, and when you see others prosper, then you can't enjoy your lot in life. It steals your joy. 
You may travel and see vast fields and farms and estates, and they only depress you because you can't have them. They're not yours. There are countries and continents so vast that you can only get smaller and smaller as you explore them. And to have a heart of lust for the world, it only grieves you. It said of Alexander the Great, when he was in his thirties and he conquered as much land as he knew, that he fell down and wept because there was nothing more to conquer. And that can happen to you tonight. Like the miser who cannot get enough money and cannot bring himself to spend it, he is the proverbial miser. And then he dies leaving his money behind. He just cannot gain the whole world. And those who do gain some extra portion of this world, they are only burdened by them. The Lord warned of the thief that will break in, the rust that will corrode, and the uh, various ways that you can lose any amount of your possessions. Paul said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. A millionaire today, a pauper tomorrow. That's the fear of anyone that has a little portion of this world. Be not high-minded, we are told. Promotion in this world's riches, I can liken it to a man who's carrying two buckets, and then he tries to carry three. And oh, he was doing so well, but his greed called him to carry an extra bucket, and he ends up stumbling and burdened. That's the man of the world, and that's the way of misery that will never satisfy. And so to enjoy life with peace of mind and heart, riches will not do it. No matter how much of this world you may gain, soul satisfaction comes from totally different sources. I have to preach to you tonight because we're called to preach the gospel. I'm to call you to turn down a bad deal, but I want to interest you tonight in the real deal. Calvary, and what our Lord Jesus accomplished on that cross at great cost by paying what the world can never purchase with all its silver and all its gold, because we are redeemed not by those things, but by the blood of Christ. That's how we're saved. And what a wonderful thing that this redemption is paid in full, and you are called to accept the offering. 
and to enter into a new relationship with the living God. It brings peace to your soul. Calvary brings peace. As we think on that theme, there are so many portions, so many passages in the Bible that we can turn to and enjoy of. And we were once strangers, but now we're made nigh by the blood of Christ and have this peace with God. The other source of contentment for any soul is to have your name written in the book of life. That's real peace. That's real joy. The world cannot do that for you. The world cannot give you eternal life. What is it worth to have your name, your ID, inscribed in that eternal book called the Lamb's Book of Life? Another source is the power of prayer. And through our Lord Jesus, God's gift, through His blood, you by faith have a way of access into the very throne room of God. You have fellowship with God through Christ in prayer. Money can't buy you that. The world and all its titillating offers and seals pitches of pleasure can never lead you into sweet communion with the Lord of glory. To have the Lord Jesus pray in your name before the Father. That's what it says here, that whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. But if we confess his name, he will confess us before the Father. And so we have this wonderful fellowship with God. And finally tonight, it's a bad deal to buy the world because the world will cost you your soul. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? From these words of the Lord, we note that your soul is the most precious thing that you own. It is worth more than the whole world, more than silver and gold. And no matter what you gain in this life, your soul is worth more, for it is eternal. And the Lord spoke here of losing your soul. Now, he obviously meant more than losing bodily life. We all face the reality that these bodies are going to give up, and we will be led in the earth. These bodies are time-based. We were made from the dust, and we shall return to the dust but we also have a soul that will live on and on for all eternity. Now, several translations have referred to this losing of life as to 
forfeit your life. I don't like that way of translating this. I think that this, our Bible using losing your soul, is closer to the reality of what our Lord was saying, that we lose our soul in hell for all eternity. The Lord Jesus taught of the rich man who fared sumptuously every day, and he died. He opened his eyes in torments. He was in hell. Hebrews 12 speaks of the spirits of just men made perfect, and they are in heaven. They're with God. Revelation 6 speaks of souls in heaven that were willing to give up the world in persecution. And I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, when will all of this matter? Look at verse 38, the end of the verse, the end of the chapter. When he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. The world is going to be burned up by fire. There will be a new world. It will be refurbished, a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And Christians are living for that new world and that new heaven. When the new Jerusalem shall come down, and there shall be a transformation of this world as we know it. That's the hope, and that's the gospel, the good news that we have for men and women that are looking to the Lord Jesus. But the world will cost you your soul's salvation and send you to hell if you do not repent of the world. You cannot serve God and mammon. And it is either holiness through Christ's righteousness or eternal woe if you die in your sins. Now, remember that this world is at enmity with God. It's at war with God. And the whirling who is caught up in the spirit, in the values, buys into the deal of this world is at war with God. And on that judgment day, there will be an announcement, depart from me, ye cursed, I never knew you. That will be a horrible day and a horrible announcement concerning your soul. Now, respecting the gospel of Christ and waiting until you are beyond mercy, that's when you're lost. You're lost. Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. And on that day, money will buy nothing. The world's values will be empty. And you 
will be lost. Now, tomorrow, Monday morning is coming, and many are going to go headlong into a bad deal of living for the world. What are you going to do? Are you going to take heed to this warning of the Lord Jesus? And the Lord calls you to leave the world behind. The Lord said to Peter, Lovest thou me more than these? Now, he could have been referring to the other disciples. Do you love me more than these other disciples? But it's possible that he was referring to the boats, to the way of life that he once knew, to this world. How are you going to answer that question? And you have to decide between the world and salvation through surrendering your all to the Lord. Now, to have Christ is to be truly rich, and He will save you, and He will keep you. And I assure you that every Christian here today will agree with me that that is a great deal. To have all the riches of Christ freely bestowed upon you in all fullness to fit you for heaven, that's a great deal. That's the way to go. And it's the way of the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves. And it's all of grace, without money, without price. And God won't have it any other way. What will you then do tonight? You have a decision to make. Maybe you have professed the Lord in the past. Maybe you have followed the Lord and served Him in many ways. But recently, the power of the world has gripped you. Its fangs have closed in upon you. I read of a shrine. I believe it's in Italy. It's now in a museum. A shrine of a, a virgin, probably of Mary. And when the person approaches, unsuspectingly, the daggers come around and they entangle the victim. And they are caught in these deceptive arms of the adulterous woman. The world is seeking to entangle you and take you into its hold. And you need to say no. And you need to completely, totally dedicate your heart and life to the Lord. Will you do that tonight? Young person, young mother or father, one of the subtle temptations of the enemy for parents is, I want something better for my children. I don't want my children to have to bear the reproach 
of the gospel of the cross. I want to make it easy for them. And in doing so, you compromise with the world. You allow things that you would never do for yourself. And in that way, the world gets a grip on our children. As parents, you need to answer this question. What shall it profit a man? Look at your child. Look at your son or your daughter. You want them to have the best education. You want them to make friends. You want them to advance in this world. But look at them. Let this question come to your mind. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That tells me there's no way back. There's no way back. It's vital that you are saved, that your children are saved, and that they know the Lord. Will you rededicate yourself tonight to personal fellowship, partnership with the living Christ and turn to Him with all your heart and say no to the world in all its lusts. Let's unite in prayer in closing tonight. Our God and Father, we thank Thee for this word from our Lord Jesus. We thank Thee for the warning. We thank Thee for the instruction. And we thank Thee for the mercy that we receive when we leave the world and turn to the Lord. And I pray, dear God, that Thou will be pleased to wash away the sins of the world and loosen its grip from hearts and set Your people free that each and every one will set themselves to take up the cross, to deny self, and to follow Thee with all their hearts all their days. We ask for Thy Holy Spirit to fill us and to fit us and use us in Thy kingdom. Bless this congregation. Bless coming up to this Christmas season. May family visits, may friendships flourish, but may it not be at the cost of the gospel, but rather be opportunities to show forth that we have taken up that cross to follow Thee. And so dismiss us now with Thy blessing. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with the Lord's people now and evermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight.